Hello, friends. Welcome to the Printmakers Podcast. My name is Matt Reno. I'm a member of Bluegrass Printmakers here in Lexington, Kentucky. I want to give props to the original host of this show, Stephen Wiggins. He has taken his talents to St. Louis. And so I decided to try my hand at the Printmakers Podcast. Um, I don't really know where it's going to go from here. We'll consider this kind of a pilot for a relaunch, and we'll see how it goes. But this first episode is, uh, is going to be really good, I think. We've got a great guest. His name is Mark Johnson. He's the owner of Art Inc. Kentucky. Supporting local art is very important. And so he is helping local artists get their work out there so that they can make some sales. Because let's be honest, we artists, we like to do art. We don't always like to get into the business side of things. We don't always... We don't really like to promote ourselves. It's kind of that necessary evil. We know we have to do it, but really all we want is just to get our hands dirty, to make our prints or our paintings or whatever it is that we make. Mark and Art in Kentucky is helping bridge that gap and giving local artists a hand with promoting themselves and their work. Mark's going to tell you more about that as well as how he got into art. And we're going to ask him some very specific questions about the art of pricing your art. So stay tuned for that. Before we start, I want to tell you a little bit about Bluegrass Printmakers. You can learn more about us at bgprintmakers.org and find us on social media at bgprintmakers. We are a Lexington-based organization that spreads the joy of printmaking throughout the bluegrass region of Kentucky. We give printmakers a place where they can print in the Carver Arts Building in downtown Lexington. So if you don't have a press at home, we've got a place for you. We also offer classes. We do workshops throughout the area. If you join Bluegrass Printmakers, you can sell your art with us. You can get into group exhibitions, galleries that we have around the area. And best of all, you can learn from other printmakers and grow in your craft. It's a great organization. I highly recommend you check it out, even if you aren't into printmaking at all, but you like art, you think this might be interesting for you, check out a class. That's how I got started. I took an intro to printmaking class. I love printmaking. I love uh, Linocut the most. So I did another workshop where it was all Linocut. And then after that, I was hooked. I joined Bluegrass Printmakers. And now this has turned out to be a really fun hobby for me and it could be for you too so so i highly recommend checking out bluegrass printmakers at bgprintmakers.org and right now let's get into the printmakers podcast here is my guest mark johnson from art inc kentucky mark welcome to the podcast thank you i really appreciate you all having me today thanks a lot let's start by having you tell us a little bit about what art inc kentucky is and how it got started um, so again, my name is Mark Johnson. I am the president of Art Inc. Kentucky. We are a business and marketing incubator for Kentucky artists. And really what that kind of comes down to is we have three goals that we try to work with our clients on. The first one is helping them to build their business. And that's everything from helping them start their business, set up the LLC, the corporation, whatever the uh, the legal aspects of their business may be. Um, we also by that, we offer uh, business classes uh, on various topics. So um, a class on legal aspects of starting your business, uh, how to use social media in your business, how to develop a business plan, the whole nine yards of, of establishing the, the business of being, a, of being an artist. 
Then we also work on a one-on-one -on -one basis with our clients. So if there are specific needs that they have in their business, we're able to work with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis, basically acting as their, as their business consultant. So that's the first way. Uh, the second thing that we do is uh, we work with them from an exposure perspective. So we help them get their work uh, out, into the, out into the general public. Uh, we do that in a couple of different ways. We uh, build websites for our clients, and then we also work with them from a social media perspective, um, doing social media promotions and, and posts on their behalf. And then lastly, um, we uh, help them as far as sales are concerned. We have two major art sales. We host two major art sales uh, on a yearly basis. Uh, and then we also have just launched our online retail gallery, which is called Art House Kentucky. So if you go to that website, arthousekentucky.org, uh, you'll see a number of different uh, items from the clients that we work with and represent in helping them to get their artwork, not only out on a, on a local basis, but also on a national and even an international basis. So it, it's those three primary aspects, helping them build their business, uh, helping them generate exposure for their artwork, and then helping them generate sales. All right, that's great. And why did you start it? Where where was the need that you saw? Was it that were artists just not getting these kind of uh, opportunities on a local level? Do you feel like a lot of artists might be a little averse to business kind of things and you were trying to fill that gap for them? Yeah, I think that's really kind of what it comes down to. There's a number of uh, tremendous programs out there that are kind of designed to help artists. Um, what I didn't really see or what we re didn't really see out there were, were from the business perspective, um, uh, helping them establish their, their businesses. Um, and along with that, we, what we did was a, a, a survey uh, of about 40 different artists. And we just kind of asked them, uh, who were they working with out there? What services were they taking advantage of? What did they like that was out there? And uh, what would they like to see that was not already out there? And those are kind of the three things that, that I just described a minute ago is, is kind of the things that they that they uh, uh, indicated to us via that survey. Uh, the number one, obviously, being the, the sales. They, they felt like that they, were, uh, they needed more opportunities for sales. So we added in the business aspect because that was certainly a, a need as well. And it's kind of hard to have sales without having exposure. So we felt like the exposure part was, was extremely important as well. And with all three of those combined, we felt like that there was a, we fit right very nicely into the other programs that are out there working with artists as well. So it was kind of a, with the artists, what they indicated to us, plus what we felt like that needed to go along with those other areas to, to enhance the sales. When we first started this, we, we started by talking to about 40 different artists, and we just kind of asked them what they felt like the needs were uh, out there. And we kind of let them tell us. And, and then we built the, our business model around what they informed us. Uh, again, with the business building, they all felt like um, being better business owners or how to be business owners was important. Uh, obviously, exposure was important to them. They all wanted to get their artwork on a, on a, out there on a much larger basis. Uh, but then the third and most important thing, and, and what almost every single artist that we talked to indicated, was the need for sales. Uh, they all felt like that uh, via online or either more local sales opportunities, they all felt like that that was um, something that was, that was lacking uh, on an overall basis. So we tried to compose all three of those into our, into our business model. Is this a business model that is happening in other places of the, in the country? Have you seen other more localized or statewide uh, programs like this, or is this kind of a fairly new thing? I think it's a new thing. We've, we took bits and pieces from, from different programs uh, and kind of put them all together. 
Uh, certainly there are programs out there from the, that will help artists um, from, the, from the business side, helping them compose their business. Certainly there are programs and, and services out there that will help artists from an exposure perspective, build their websites, things of that nature. And maybe on a, to a lesser extent, programs that are out there to uh, designed to help artists with their, with their sales. Uh, but I'm not aware of any that have kind of put all, pull all three of those aspects together into, into one single program and made it affordable because um, what we do is a, it's basically a membership uh, process. Artists join at a, uh, a number of different levels. We have a number of different levels that they can choose. And uh, based on whatever their needs are, they can choose the level that's most appropriate to them and, that's, and, and receive the services that they feel like are, are most, most important for them. So I haven't seen a program specifically set up like that. It, it's, I've seen bits and pieces of, of a lot of what we're doing, but uh, no program that really incorporates all the aspects of, of what we're doing. So do you see this as a way that artists should be moving toward a more local kind of business incubator as opposed to something like Etsy? What, what do you think about Etsy itself? Is that getting oversaturated? Uh, I, no, we actually use uh, Etsy with some of the strategies for, for some of our clients. Etsy is, is great uh, from the perspective, uh, at least in my opinion, that it brings uh, potential traffic to an artist. Uh, so we actually incorporate Etsy in some of the in some of the work that we do with with our clients. It, it just kind of depends on where the artist is, uh, kind of in their in their development. Um, so yeah, it, it, I wouldn't necessarily rule out Etsy on a on an overall basis. Uh, I just think it depends on on the specific artist. If they already have a a following, a clientele, um, that might be more something where they could look at their own website, their own e commerce enabled website uh, versus if they're just kind of maybe just getting started out. Etsy is great because uh, what I like to say is it brings you walk by traffic and it, there's a potential of walk by traffic there. Um, so someone may be looking for whatever it is that that that, that particular artist makes and that artist work will, will come up, uh, will pop up in the search because they're already on Etsy. So it may not necessarily be that the that the person looking for the item was looking for that particular artist or, or work from that particular artist, but because they went and searched for a general term, painting or, um, you know, whatever the case may be, um, and that artist's work popped up, uh, they now have a new, a new client. So uh, that's, the, that's the beauty to me uh, as far as what Etsy can do. It can bring you what we refer to as cyber walk by traffic, so someone that's not necessarily looking for your work but has the potential of finding it just because the way Etsy is set up. We use that to help our clients uh, increase their followers, and then as they get a larger number of followers, then what you try to do is migrate those followers to their to the artist website. Okay, so uh, Kentucky artist hears about art in Kentucky. They like the way it sounds. Uh, what's the process? How do they get on board with you? Yeah, um, so they can contact us via our email address, which is info at artinkkentucky.com. Dot org and that is Kentucky spelled out so art info at art Inc uh, k e n t u c k y dot org uh, or they can also call us uh, via phone our phone number is eight five nine two three one zero zero five four extension ten twenty three uh, they can go to our website artinkkentucky.org and leave us a message or they can also find us on Facebook uh, at Art Inc Kentucky all right great. Uh, let's, let's shift gears, talk a little bit about your own art career right now. So uh, how did you get into it? 
Oh, wow. So um, the very first piece of artwork that I purchased was a carnival glass uh, bowl, uh, and I found it at a uh, yard sale, and it's been a lot of years ago, and it, and it just fascinated me, and that's kind of what uh, I, that piece has, I still have that piece today, uh, but um, I did a little, bit, a little bit of research on the piece. It was uh, by a company called Fenton Art Glass. Uh, one of the, uh, unfortunately, they're no longer in business, but they were the, one of the, the last remaining uh, art glass companies in the U.S., and um, the more and more I, I learned about the company, it was all handcrafted, all handmade art pieces, and they really developed a, a huge business um, out, of the, out of the process. Um, and I just started collecting those pieces. And at some point, I just decided uh, that instead of collecting uh, glass artwork from other artists, I wanted to try to make my, my own art. Uh, so I started with um, a process called, or, or a medium called polymer clay. Um, started making jewelry pieces, smaller jewelry pieces. Uh, from there, I got into uh, actually working with glass, um, called a process called lamp working, where making glass beads. And from there, um, it went. I got into actually uh, the glass bowls that that I had actually wanted to start with originally. I uh, took some classes with uh, a lady here in town, um, Laura Halleck, used to uh, operate Halleck's uh, stained glass, and then took some classes up in Louisville at Flame Run um, Art Glass Studio. So, uh, and it's just it's just gone from there. So I'm about 10 years, 11, 12, 13 years into it now, um, and still going forward with it. Wow, 10 years. So any idea how many pieces you've made over that decade? Oh, wow, no, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. How long does it take to make uh, uh, glass work? Um, well, obviously it depends on, on the type of piece that you're making, but uh, for my bowls, I'm, I'm currently working on a new series right now called Dancers. They're, they're glass bowls, and I name them after uh, different types of dances. Uh, for that, it's probably, there are several firings involved in the process, so if I were to work straight through the process, uh, you're probably looking at about a, maybe a week to, to 10 days, because the, the longer part of it is, you know, the firing in the kiln, and you have to fire the piece up, and then you have to let the piece cool down. That's what takes the longest part. In between that, you're you're doing what's called cold working the piece. That's where you're uh, grinding the edges, uh, softening the edges out, getting all the um, the uh, rough rough parts out of them. Uh, and then once you do that, then you put it back into the kiln and, and uh, into a process called fire polishing, which which again smooths smooths the edges. So it's the it's the firing process and it's the cooling process that takes the longest part of the of that entire process. Uh, so if you were to do it back to back. Um, you know, in one continuous one continuous process, you're probably looking at five to seven, ten days, something along those lines. All right. So, what is it about glass that you love? What what attracted you? Uh, think back to that yard sale. What made you say, "Whoa, I've got to do this"? Yeah, that the the color of that piece really. If 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 you're if anyone's familiar with uh, with carnival glass, it's just an amazing it's amazing color. Uh, it's purple and and it's a metallic it's a metallic looking glass, and it just really captured my my spirit at that point um as far as glass itself i don't know it's 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 different from almost any other medium out there it's it's hot it's labor intensive um you know it, it's very fragile um you're you're trying to uh, control a a semi-liquid um state of material material in a semi-liquid state uh, trying to impose at least a portion of your will on it, um, but it still has its own. It still does what it wants to do, and so it, it's kind of a dance of 
trying to anticipate what the glass wants to do and trying to impose your will on it. And hopefully at the end of that process, uh, you come out with a, a really beautiful piece. The other thing, it, it, it teaches me um, patience. Uh, the, the, cool, the cool down process, the warming up process, um, you really have to respect the glass and, and that entire process. Otherwise, uh, you know, the, the glass could crack on you. If, you. if you cool it down too fast or if you warm it up too fast, the glass could crack. So it, it teaches you patience, and, and that's another thing that I really respect about the, about the process. You can't go at your own pace. You have to go at the, the pace of the glass. All right. And am I right? You have uh, work in the Louvre? I've shown my work in the, I've shown my work in the Louvre. I guess in 2017, I was invited by um, a studio that, or I'm sorry, an art gallery uh, based out of Helsinki, Finland. Um, they saw my work in a couple of different pieces. I had shown my work uh, previously earlier that year in New York, uh, and they saw some of my work there, and they invited me to a show that they were doing uh, at the Louvre. So yeah, I was uh, back in 2017. I had the, it was a total blessing, uh, totally an amazing process. Uh, so yeah, it was it was really cool, and there were some other great artists there as well. I got to meet a, a ton of other artists as well, so it was amazing, amazing time. That's great. That's got to be pretty mind blowing, right? Just to to walk in there, wow! I was invited <laughs> to show work in this place. Yeah, like uh, total amazing. In my in my greatest dreams, I would have never dreamed that. But uh, yeah, it was just a, a amazing blessing. Great. So, what made you say um, that you know? So you're, you're going along for 10 years, making your own art, nurturing your own career. At what point did you say, I want to bring some of my, what I've learned about business and use it to help other people? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I, um, my, my entire adult career, um, as far as work is concerned, my day job, we'll call it, uh, has been geared around helping um, small business owners with their business. Um, I had to, uh, ran the small business program uh, at the state of Ken- state of Kentucky, uh, in the Cabinet for Economic Development, they had an area that specifically worked with small businesses across the state. I ran that program for about ten years. I also had the opportunity to uh, work at the Kentucky Small Business Development Center. So that's this is my twentieth year working with small small businesses. Uh, this last year, where we started Art Inc., I've just had the opportunity to marry both of my passions, uh, as far as the art and the uh, and entrepreneurship, working with entrepreneurs. I've been able to marry those together just in the last year when we started up Art in Kentucky. But um, working with entrepreneurs, that's, that's been my entire adult career, uh, basically. And, and you know, I, I think I really appreciate the helping someone um, start their own business, hopefully helping them be successful at it, generate an, an income that they can, um, uh, you know, do good things for their family, uh, employ people. And, and let those help those people do great things for their families. So that's that's the joy and the benefit that I that I get out of it. Great, great. Um, so I'd like to see if you can give us a little specific advice to the listeners out there. Um, we'll focus in on one area of, of the business side of art, and we we said let's talk about pricing. Um, so in uh, thirty seconds, what's the magic formula we plug into an Excel spreadsheet to get that perfect <laughs> pricing? <laughs> Wow, in 30 seconds. Wow. <laughs> and I, I wish I could give you that perfect formula. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that there's a, a perfect formula for, for every single artist out there. I think part of it is you have to look at the medium and what are the uh, price ranges for art in that particular medium. 
Um, I think you also have to look at that particular artist. What kind of success have they had or awards? Are they just starting out? Have they been an artist for a, a while? So you have to take a, a, a lot of different things into consideration when you're, when you're looking at pricing. Um, I will say this, though. As far as pricing is concerned, um, from the business side of things, the artist needs to make sure that they're getting reimbursed back for their time and for the materials um, and their hard costs that they are um, that they're, that's involved in, in creating their artwork. And, and we have almost every single artist uh, that we work with, every single member that we work with, that's, that comes up at some point in our, in our conversation. Pricing is extremely difficult. It's um, every single artist that we work with, every single artist that I know, including myself, uh, it's a challenge when it comes to pricing. You don't want to overprice your artwork to where um, you may be eliminating uh, potential clients, but at the same time you want to uh, like I said, reimburse yourself, make sure that you are uh, compensating yourself for the time that you're putting into it and certainly for the cost uh, that, your, that your craft is costing you. So it's, it's, it's a difficult process when it, comes to, when it comes to pricing. There are some rules of thumb out there um, when it comes to painting, um, painters, um, when it comes to photographers, as far as maybe the size of the piece that you're working on. Um, there are some rules of thumb out there that you may look at a per square inch, uh, so much per square inch or, or so much for, per square foot, depending on the size of your artwork. Uh, but again, that really just kind of depends on a on the on a case by case basis as far as the uh, as far as the artist and the piece that they're working on is concerned. Um, if I had to put it in into into some type of um, formula, I would say that. It should start with the artist determining an hourly rate that they uh, would like to be compensated for uh, because there is an opportunity cost. They can work on their artwork or they can go maybe work for someone else and get a certain, you know, receive a certain amount um, per hour. So the artist kind of needs to figure out what do I want to be compensated for as far as my time is concerned. So that's a starting point. Uh, and then uh, the hard cost of whatever that artwork is costing them. So if they're a painter, they have, uh, they're purchasing the canvas, uh, the art, the, the paint that goes along with it. You know, if they're, if they're a, a, phot a photographer, uh, you know, printing out that piece, uh, the, the paper that goes along with that. So it just kind of depends on the, the, the material cost that goes along with uh, whatever it is that they're creating. But typically, you look at that uh, hourly wage that they want to pay themselves, you look at the hard cost, and then uh, based on the, the formula that you choose to, to utilize, um, that's how you come up with your, with your price point. Okay. So now there are artists who are professional artists. They do this for a living. There are other people like myself. I've got a full-time job. I'm doing art on the side as a hobby. I don't need it to pay my bills, to right. put food on the table. Right. Um, you know, it's nice to make that money. I don't I don't need it the way professional artists do, but there's got to be a danger in underpricing for, for the whole art community, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I can't, I could sell stuff cheaper just to make a few bucks back because I don't care as much, but then I'm hurting other people, right? So you got to take that in consideration. Absolutely. That's absolutely correct. Um, and that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why we say you kind of need to be aware of, of in general, um, what some of the other artists in your medium may be looking at. Uh, even looking at, uh, you know, Etsy, and we mentioned Etsy earlier, just kind of giving an idea of what is the, the range of the artwork, uh, your, your type of artwork, 
uh, what's that range of the prices that are that are going for out there? Uh, looking at your local market and then looking at a national market as well using Etsy and and there are other um, websites as well that you can look at and just kind of get an idea of what people are selling their their work for. But you're exactly right. You don't want to undervalue your work because it not only does it affect your work, uh, but it also affects the you know the the perceived value of, of other artists' work uh, in that particular medium. So yeah, that's a that's a great point. Yeah, and it's it's hard to uh, communicate that to the general public too. You know, they don't see all the hours you spend on your art. They don't see the materials that you're using all the time. They see the finished product and they might judge it by, well, how much it speaks to them or the size of it, but they're not seeing all those other factors. And so they might say, oh, well, really, why does it cost this much? How, is it, what can we do to educate people and just make them understand really what goes into it? Yeah. And again, that's, that's a great point. And it is an education process. What you're, what you're referring to it is an education process to the general public. I tell you, one of the things that I really love and what we really try to focus on at Art Inc. is kind of showing the behind the scenes of that artist and the, and the process that they go through in making their work. And that way, at least their followers, the ones that are following them, uh, kind of see that there is a, a, a commitment that the artist is making, a time commitment that the artist is making uh, when they're working on this piece. They, they see the, 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 the process. They see the details. They see the, the hours. Uh, that the artist puts into to making that piece, and, and hopefully that kind of uh, justifies the price point um, that the artist puts on that piece. But you know, these days, obviously, you know, uh, anything that's handmade, handcrafted, uh, you know, there's a there's a there's a value for that, um, and that's what you try to incorporate, and that's what you try to communicate to your uh, to your followers, to your potential buyers, so that they know that. Um, yeah, this wasn't a thing that just got created in five minutes. It's it's a, a multi-hour process, and it's the training, and it's the um, um, the skill set that goes along into into making that. And I think one of the ways that you can um, communicate that to your to your buyers uh, is through social media. You know, show them not only the, the the final piece, but also show them you know kind of the process that it goes through that you go through uh, to create that piece too. Yeah. So maybe. Uh, Set up your camera or your uh, set up your phone. Take a video. Um, take photos. You know, get to a stopping point. Take a picture of an unfinished work and then share it all later. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, show them the midpoint of the process. Uh, here's where I'm at now. Uh, kind of describe that process. Here's what I've gone through to get to this point, and here's what's left. So yeah, that, that, I think that's one of the most effective and and cost effective ways to to kind of can you make communicate that process to 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 potential buyers. Yeah, a, sometimes when I'm making a lino cut piece and I uh, I accidentally stab myself in the finger, I take a picture of the cut and put put on Instagram story. Just you know, this is dangerous exactly. work, folks. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 amazing. One more pricing question: If you're doing uh, multiple pieces in an edition, how would you adjust for that? And is there um, is there kind of like a sweet spot depending on what you're making, where you're you don't want the edition to be too small, too large? Um, well, I, I, I'll address the first part of that question. Uh, with the um, when you're working for um, you're creating several pieces, uh, I, I I think that what you might find is that there is an efficiency process there as you're maybe working on several pieces at one time. There should be an efficiency process in that. So it may not be as necessarily time as time consuming as it would be if you were creating. I'll just say three different pieces at three different times. Maybe if you're 
uh, in some shape, form, or fashion, kind of working on all, all three of those pieces together, there should be a, a, a consolidation of, of time that might help you uh, from that perspective. Um, and that might, you know, translate into a, a more cost-effective price, um, I'll put it, uh, in, in, terms of the, in terms of the buyer. But at the end of the day, uh, again, and this is what I really stress to our clients, is that's, that's the artist's time. And um, obviously, as you uh, go throughout the process and get better at your craft, you're going to become more efficient, uh, and, that, you know, and your time will, will be reflected in that. But uh, you also have to make sure that you are, you know, you're compensating yourself for, for however, however much time uh, that, that process or, or that series uh, takes. I think what was the second part of your the second part of your question? Uh, what was the second part of my question? Um, how to adjust for the number and the oh is is there a, a sweet spot? And of course, yeah. it's going to depend on what you're doing. But you know, you don't want too few, too many. How how do you think about that? Yeah, um, I, I I think part of that process, I think you have to kind of figure out. Where do you anticipate selling that artwork? I think that has to come into it. We, we have a lot of conversations with our clients as far as what do they anticipate the market for that particular piece being. Uh, if they want to be in a New York market, for example, uh, the New York market is, is much different than, than here in Lexington or he, even here in Kentucky. Um, the price points are they, they're very um, greatly. So you might be able to... Um, have a higher price point of the same piece in the New York market, for example, than you would maybe here in, in Lexington, Kentucky. So part of that process has to be, uh, you have to have to think about, you know, where do I want this piece ultimately to be sold? Is it going to be, uh, you know, off of Etsy? Is it going to be off my own website? Uh, is it going to be in a gallery? Uh, is it going to be in a gallery in New York? Uh, because all three of those or all, all of those different areas have different um, different different markets, different individuals are on those, you know, are frequenting those different venues. Uh, so that, that's part of the process. The other thing that you can't do, though, um, especially from a gallery perspective, is typically galleries don't want to see uh, that your artwork is selling at a different price than what you have in their gallery. So, for example, if you have a piece on your own website or, or on your own Etsy site, for example, um, and it's very similar work to what they are carrying in their gallery. If there's a huge price differential between the two, in essence, you as, as an individual artist are competing with that gallery for your work for the same price or for the same piece. Uh, and if there's a, 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 big gal a big differential as far as the price is concerned, uh, galleries typically don't, don't like to see that. So there does have to be a consideration about, especially if you're in a close area, um, as far as your your work being concerned, being concerned, uh, there does have to be a uh, you know a consistency among, along with your along your price point. But if you're outside of the area, again, uh, I go back to New York um, or Boston. We're actually working with a uh, one of our members right now to get them into a couple of galleries in the Boston market. Uh, from that perspective, the pricing issue becomes a little bit less uh, of an issue because you're you're you are in a totally different market. There is a a totally different feel. There's a totally different clientele that's in those markets. So from that perspective, it's a little bit different. But when you're in a, a fairly close market, closed-in market, um, there, you do need to pay attention to consistency. Uh, someone shouldn't be able to come to your own your own booth or, or your website 
and get a, a, a work drastically different in price uh, versus going to an art gallery that's that's in the same market um, with a much higher price point. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about the Kentucky art market? Like, where do you see that, um, particularly Lexington, in the in, in the scope of the whole country? Do you, is it a is it a growing market? Is it? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I think it's a consistent market. I, I think it's a stable market. Um, is it a New York market or is it a Boston market? Probably not. But I think uh, it's a consistent market, and I think it's a a market, and and people are becoming more and more appreciative. Uh, of the arts uh, because of, you know, all the great programs that are out there, uh, the Kentucky Arts Council, you know, Lex Arts, Lexington Art League, you know, there's some great service providers that are out there that are all doing their part to help educate uh, the general public on the importance of art and um, helping art being more appreciated. So uh, I do think that there's a, a, a consistency uh, and a stableness as far as the market here is in, in Lexington. As we wrap up, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about any future plans for art in Kentucky? Yeah, that's great. Thank you for thank you for that. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. We've got uh, a huge project uh, that we're currently working on right now. We are developing an artist village uh, on the outskirts of downtown Lexington. If you're familiar with the Third Street Midland uh, Winchester Road uh, corridor, there, um, we are developing a an artist village that will be composed of about 13 or 14 artist residences, so these will be um, artist-owned homes, and attached onto those homes will be studio spaces for the artists. So, um, you know, not only will they have their, their, their home there, but if they want to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and, and go down to their studio, uh, they'll be able to do that. So this community will, um, uh, it'll start with those 14, those 14 residences. Uh, those residences will surround a, a green space that we're referring to as an art park. So on the weekends, uh, we'll have art fairs there, art festivals, poetry readings, you know, musical events uh, that the community will obviously be able to, to come in and, and view. And we'll also have the, the art shows there where um, people can come in and, and purchase artwork. And then lastly, we will have an art gallery there. So uh, in that art gallery, we'll also uh, have uh, studio spaces in there for artists that want to be a part of that community uh, but they don't necessarily want to live there. Maybe they already have a home someplace else. Uh, but they'll actually be able to rent studio space there to be a part of the to be a part of that community. So we'll have a, an art gallery. We'll have studios for available for rent. We'll have the um, the artist village, the, the homes uh, aspect of it, and then we'll have the art park. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Our very first artist will. Um, be moving in in a couple of weeks. Denise Estelle Brown. She is a, a painter here in town. Um, uh, she'll be in the first the first home there. Uh, Frank Walker has also purchased a uh, uh, Frank X Walker, um, our oh. first African American uh, Kentucky poet laureate. Yeah. He's also purchased a home there, so uh, he and his family will be there um, probably in the summer next summer. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's it's going to be a really exciting really exciting process. The the person that lives next door to you will be a neighbor and or will be will be an artist and the person that lives across the street from you will be an artist the person that lives down the street from you will be an artist and what i'm really hoping for is that a lot of great collaborations occur because of that so maybe you have a, a woodworker and a glassmaker that get together just because they live there next to each other and they they combine and, and start to collaborate on a piece and, and do that together and i'm really excited about that and then the, the the aspect that the community can come down into the artist village 
and and get to know the artist and see how they're working in their studios and and obviously you know purchase uh, work from them. Uh, that's just going to be a, a really cool thing. So this whole the the whole community aspect is just going to be. I'm just really looking forward to it. That sounds really exciting. Um, I think you're doing great things here in Lexington, and as a member of Bluegrass Printmakers, we really appreciate the support you've been giving us. Um, that's fantastic. So I, I wish you all the best of luck in the future. Well, thank you. And we are, are grateful to work with you guys, too. You all do great work, and the product and the services and the items that you all come up with, uh, we're really happy to work with you all, too. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. So uh, as we wrap up, why don't you just tell people where they can find out more about your work and about Art in Kentucky? Yeah. Uh, Again, um, Art in Kentucky, if you go to our website, it's Art Inc. I-N-C, Kentucky, spelled out, dot O-R-G. That's our primary website. You can also find us on Facebook at that same place, facebook.com forward slash Art Inc. Kentucky. Our online um, Retail gallery is arthousekentucky.org, so you can find us online there where we sell our work uh, from our members. And our email address is info at artinkentucky.org, and our phone number is 859-231-0054, extension 1023. And then if you are interested in looking at my work, you can always find me on my website at uh, Mark Lynn Johnson, that's L-E-N-N, johnson.com marklinjohnson.com and i'm also on facebook marklin johnson all right mark thank you very much for coming on the printmakers podcast appreciate you all having me had a great time all right big thanks to mark johnson for coming on the printmakers podcast today great interview lots of good advice i'm sure you got some wonderful nuggets of wisdom help you in your art career and you can continue getting more by checking out art inc kentucky so please do so also check out bluegrass printmakers bgprintmakers.org follow us on social media bg printmakers if you like what you heard please like subscribe and leave a review for the printmakers podcast that's how other people can find out about the show and please if this is the first time you're listening go back we've got 20 something other episodes that you can listen to learn from excellent printmakers in kentucky and beyond please check out our archives my name is matt reno you can follow me at mattreno.com you can also check out some of my prints at matt reno prints on instagram our theme music is washed up by lexington kentucky band johnny conqueroo Check them out at johnnyconqueroo.bandcamp.com where you can find their latest album, Haint Blue, as well as lots of other great music. Thank you very much for listening to the Printmakers Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Until then, keep on creating.